Hey guys, Rachel here. So today's episode is our sixth most listened to um, episode of 2023. And uh, this was an episode with Lauren Ipok um, from Wicked Cool Sports Fan. Now, I do want to give a disclaimer for people that have not listened to this episode previously. Um, it, it's nothing bad. It's just that we do um, cover a couple topics that might be considered controversial. And so if you are somebody that doesn't want to listen to those type of things, then obviously I would tell you to go ahead and not listen. Um, so we do touch on um, things when it comes to the LGBTQ plus community within motorsports. Um, so we do cover some political things, um, a little bit, but not a lot. Um, and so I want to go ahead and give that disclaimer, um, because, you know, the political atmosphere that we're in today, you know, people have all different types of opinions about it and, I just want you guys to be aware that that is something that we do discuss in this episode. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to Race Wife Unfiltered, hosted by your favorite bougie race wife, Rachel Thornhill. Every week, she shares stories of her life as a race wife and other women in motorsports, giving them a platform so their voices can be heard. Hey guys, welcome back to Race Wife Unfiltered. I am your host, Rachel Thornhill, and today we have a special guest with us. Um, she is over the Wicked Cool Sports fan, and um, her name is Lauren Ipok. Hey, Lauren, how are you? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Good. I'm so glad you were able to be on the podcast today. Super excited. It's fun to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, obviously you have, you know, the Wicked Cool Sports fan um, page on Instagram. And obviously you're doing like so much stuff with that. I know you've been on like multiple podcast interviews and doing all the things. So obviously I know you're, you're, your page covers more than just racing. It mm -hmm. covers pretty much all different types of sports. But when it comes to racing, so like when like were you always like a race fan or was this just something yeah. that you just got into? So I grew up around it. Um I there's a video of me when I was like a baby sitting on my dad's lap watching NASCAR. Um racing's always been a part of my family. My um grandparents, one of them worked for the Petty family. And then another, on my other side, they raced um, Corvettes in a club. So I've always kind of been around racing. There's a local um, track, Larry King Laws Speedway, that's near us. So I grew up going there. And it's kind of just always been surrounding me. Come back from church on Sundays and straight <laughs> to watching the race. So yeah, I've, I've grown up around it. 
Wow, yeah, that's that's insane. And then the fact that you have it, like, it's more of, like, a multi-generational thing. I mean, obviously, having yeah. somebody in your family work for the petties, I mean, that's, like, iconic people in the racing yeah. industry, period. It's so. really, my um sister goes, the petties founded Victory Junction. My sister has a chronic illness, and so she was able to go to those camps, too. So it's, like, she's been able to meet him and I'm like oh my gosh you know so it's it's pretty cool to kind of have like all those little connections and growing up watching it with like my grandparents and seeing like how their favorite drivers I mean their favorite driver my dad's was Bill Elliott and then now I'm a Chase Elliott fan so it's kind of cool to have it kind of go down the generation yeah definitely and and the fact that it's like you know now you're you're a Chase Elliott fan and it's like your dad is a Bill Elliott fan. Like, it only makes sense. You know, it's like, you know, yeah. <laughs> generations liking the same, pretty much the same family. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, so that's that's really cool. Um, yeah, so, I mean, growing up with NASCAR, so, like, was there any other type of racing that, like, you, that you grew up, like, watching and stuff? A little bit. I grew up a little bit watching kind of Formula One and IndyCar. I mean, we'd watch, like, the Indy 500 and some of the bigger races, but I didn't really get into watching Formula One until, like, 2015, 2016. Mm -hmm. We would watch, you know, every once in a while, but my dad was very much, like, it's the same person winning, you know, you'll never know with NASCAR. So I didn't watch it as much, and then I kind of started really getting into racing, and I was like, I need to scratch this itch even more. Mm -hmm. And so the next little stepping stone for me was open wheel racing, so Formula One and all of that. Now I watch like IMSA, and we're lucky enough to have Virginia International Speedway about two hours from us, mm -hmm. so I get to see those two and the night races, so I'm I'm quite lucky to kind of have options, I guess. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Where you live, it gives you more options to be able to like yeah. see a lot of races in person. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I totally understand that. Like, I would love to have that. Like, so I live in Louisiana, so like we don't really have that. Like, for us to be able to go to like a NASCAR race, we have to either go to Texas Motor Speedway or we have to go to Talladega. And yeah, we, we've been to Texas personally. Texas is not really my favorite. Um, but that was the first time I had ever went to a NASCAR race. Um, was yeah, Motor Speedway. Um, because we had moved to the Dallas Fort Worth area, and I was like, if we are living out here, we might as well go because we literally yeah. not even 20 minutes away. Like, so, it's a sign, like, right. it's terrible <laughs> for us not yeah. to go <laughs> exactly. And so, we went. And I mean, it was, it was, it was good. And we went there for the IndyCar race too. And that was great. That was like way better than the NASCAR race. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was an experience. And I was like, oh my gosh, if I can, like, I want to be able to go to an IndyCar race again, because that was the only time I had ever been to one. Um, and yeah, like yeah. Indy, I haven't been able to go to one. I haven't been oh, able to wow. go to NASCAR. I get so close every time. And then something like, happens but I've been to Indianapolis for like mm -hmm. a vintage race weekend yeah and going there and just seeing like the absolute size of the track or like even seeing the front straight like it doesn't look as narrow as it is on TV I mean it already looks narrow and you get there in person I'm like there's no way that they're able to go four wide and then they do it 
Yeah. And yeah, that track is so fast. It was insane to even see the older vintage cars race mm -hmm. on it. So yeah, I've never had the chance to go to Indy yet. Uh, that is definitely like a bucket list thing is to go oh, there, yeah. especially for the Indy 500. I mean, who doesn't want to be able to experience that? Yeah, 300,000 people just all like frothing yeah. at the mouth over racing. That was it's insane when they said it, it was like, yeah, it was like rated 330,000. Yeah. People. I'm like, that's insanity. I think that was like a record or something, but I was like, like that. I don't know if it has anything to do with like racing, luckily coming to the forefront of media now or like the 100 days of Indy. Honestly, like, wouldn't surprise me if that had something to do with it because. The thing is, that gives a lot of people that are not around racing or don't really yeah. understand it, like, a totally different perspective of it. Um, and I think, honestly, that that helped Indy because it's like, yeah. well, and, and also it'll, it's not, not just for Indy, it's really racing in general because once you've got people starting to look at that, then who's to say they won't start looking at other forms of racing too? Because it's like, oh, so, you know, this is what they, you know, what it looks like. Well, I'll kind of want to know like what these other drivers do in other, in other organizations. So it's like, yeah, I mean, you're kind of introducing new people to the sport. Um, and I, I think that helped them a lot. And I think it was a great thing that they did with CW because it's like, you don't have, you really don't have anything like that unless you like have dirt vision or flow racing or something like that, where they do a lot of documentaries and is the fact that obviously CW doing the, mm -hmm. you know, the indie show really, yeah, I think that helped, um, indie get a lot more people to show up at the Indy 500 because, you yeah. know, it obviously gave a lot of people a different perspective than what you know, than what they normally see. Like, they only see, you know, these drivers on TV for, you know... For like, two hours. Yeah, for two hours. But they actually mm -hmm. get to see, like, behind the scenes of, like, what they do to prepare. They also get to see just, like, them being regular people, you know? Yeah, I think that's always something that has helped now with the media. I think that brings more people into the sport is that when we have the media or like interviews and everything they get to see more of the driver's personality which i think brings more people into the sport in general especially with how cw did it with kind of focusing on different drivers each episode i think made people kind of fall in love with these people and be like yeah. wow like i love like that they did this this and this or i became a joseph newgarden fan from listening to a podcast um so it's kind of one of those things that I think that the more people that learn about it, because mm -hmm. everybody, they'll flip through the channel, they'll be like, oh, a race, but they yeah. may not sit and watch it. And I think these shows also allow more people to learn about the nuances mm -hmm. of the sport, because I think that's what makes it interesting, because at first glance, they're like, oh, they're driving in circles. But it's like the little things you learn that like different tires and aerodynamics and like how everything works makes it more exciting yeah no i agree yeah a lot of people that's pretty much what they think oh they're just going around in circles this is no big deal but it, it's really a lot more complicated than that and yeah. it's, it also is very taxing on the drivers too like people don't really realize like how much 
effort it takes and how much strength yeah. it takes because like these people are in these cars for way longer than you expect and also they're in these fire suits that are literally gonna give them a heat stroke like any second yeah yeah <laughs> they like lose i think i saw like 10 pounds or something of water was like lewis hamilton that's formula one but it's the same idea yeah and like just the city and the fact that like their body goes through that and seeing like the amount of like training and the muscles that you never think of having to train it's insane it's yeah. it's really cool to like learn about though the sport yeah. and the physical aspect just kind of shows and the mental aspects too like i could not imagine driving almost 300 miles per hour like that you have to be very mentally strong to do that so yeah definitely um it, it's just it a lot of people don't understand a racer's mindset like why they would do the things that they do or like why they would be willing to possibly risk their lives if something goes wrong you know mm -hmm. um and it's like but when something is your passion you, you'll do anything yeah you'll do it and you won't even think twice about it yeah um, i mean that's it's exciting to like see all these people now coming into racing and finding like a passion for it and i think the more people that like watch it the more people that will want to race and hopefully mm -hmm. this will bring like more women right. into into this sport but it's like one of those things that i think a lot of people will be like oh they're crazy for that but when you fall so deeply in love with something like you will put your whole mind body and soul into becoming the best you can be at that and for those drivers it's driving at almost 300 miles per hour right. but for them it's their comfort space you know and i think now with technology it's much safer luckily than it was years ago because we've even seen the multiple crashes at indianapolis this year with airborne crashes and they were fine so it really shows how much they're wi willing to risk mm -hmm. but also you see the reward that they'll gain through like the happiness and the team and all of that and i think it's it's truly worth it yeah no it's definitely worth it to them um it's you know when you're doing something that's your passion no matter what it's like you know that end result is what matters um and yeah. especially like with new garden i mean this was his 12th attempt at the indy 500. Like, yeah i'm i mean I, and i know a lot of people got really upset about how he won because of how he cut erickson off but at the same time when you're that determined to win a race you'll do whatever it takes it doesn't matter if yeah. it's a very ballsy move that could have possibly i mean he fully sent it too but my yeah. erickson did the same thing the year before and it's one of those things that when you're on the other side of course you're going to be mad mm -hmm. but like watching that live i was standing up screaming <laughs> at the top of my lungs because he just fully sent it and then just trying to weave because the the toe on indie cars especially this year is so strong that i'm sure it would be like flipping back and forth if it was a multiple lap yeah. but i really respect what the officials did with giving us the fans that green flag and the two lap shootout mm -hmm. because to end the indianapolis 500 under 
caution. Yeah, it just so. it feels wrong, mm-hmm. especially yeah. for the fans that are there. Would it have been better if they had maybe like done a red flag a couple acts longer or before they mm-hmm. actually did? Yeah, but I mean, it is what it is, and right. now there's always next year, and we've seen that anything can happen yeah. in those races in this like a split second. So yeah, yeah that was a phenomenal race to watch and i'm hoping that more people because of the media were watching that race so they can see how electric it is especially the announcing and the commentating that whole entire race was phenomenal yeah um yeah i i think the whole broadcast overall was really great um and yeah like you mentioned about new garden just like sending it i mean when you're desperate to win you're gonna do whatever it takes and like the yeah fact that, and i get it i get where erickson was coming from because yes that could have potentially been very dangerous and taken out like half the field like i totally get it i totally get that but what new garden did i mean to be honest there was i mean anybody would have done it if they were desperate enough you know, like, and if you, if I'm sure Erickson would have done that too, if he was in that position and because yeah. the only thing I know that people were mainly mad about was like the pit line and if something happened, right. but in the years past, they haven't enforced that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure like, I think the thing is that people have to think about is these drivers have to think about like, they're thinking about that in the back of their mind. Like if what I'm going to do, if it's dangerous, cause they'll put them at risk. And I'll put teammates and people they care about at risk and it can be a whole mess. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they're fully just like throwing caution to the wind. Right. But of course it's the Indy 500. He is so close. Mm-hmm. Like I, I would have done anything and everything. I mean, yeah. we saw TK literally attempt to mow the grass to get a pass. So mm-hmm. it, it really is like, yeah. When you get to that point in that desperation, especially to prove yourself, I mean, he called it a monkey on his back, you know, for those 12 years. Mm-hmm. It's very much, I mean, it's much like in other races, like Formula One, just getting a race win or winning the Daytona 500, you know, like that's something that all the drivers want. And so I think that for him, like, that was his moment to say, like, it's now or never. Like, right. I'm going to be standing on that podium, drinking the milk and kissing the bricks. Yeah. And he did. So yeah, exactly. It was really amazing to watch. Yeah. And it was well-deserved. I mean, it was time. It was time for him. And I'm glad yeah. that he finally got it. You know, um, that that's been something that he's been wanting for so long. And it's like, it was like, it was about time. And like, he's a very deserving person. Like he's very like, chill non-problematic doesn't get involved in drama like everybody loves him especially like the bus bros like just that in general like seeing how the other drivers like congratulated him and were kind of like surrounding him you can tell that like he's a beloved member and how he treats his team especially seeing the first like pit crew women to win right and be a part of that yeah and seeing like that they did their own photo shoot like that was like like that is what more people need to do and be like listen like this is a big deal and that i think it's nice that especially i will say indycar is very good at appreciating and showing love for the pit crews Mm -hmm. 
I feel like a lot of sports in certain times, they don't like show that as much about yeah. the team aspect, but IndyCar has always been so phenomenal at like bringing those people to light, which is nice. Yeah. And for Caitlin, especially, I mean, with her being, you know, a woman, obviously, and a pit crew like that and being able to be part of something as big as the Indy 500. I mean, that's a huge yeah. thing. And even with Catherine Lake, like the the, the fact that she literally she died, yeah, yeah, she was there. She's the only woman there, and also she even she even like did a record like speed wise, like the, the yeah. fastest woman ever, you know, in the Indy car and in Indy five hundred. Like, I mean, come on, like that was yeah. Even though I know, I know it was rough, and I hated that she you know, had something break and that's why she had to Yeah, there was know. a lot of like unluckiness there. Yeah. <laughs> but she should still be so proud of what she did because the fact that she even created a record, I mean that's made it too. Story. Yeah. And the fact that she was the only woman that was in the Indy five hundred this year. I mean, that's that's just a historical thing. And so she should be proud of herself no matter what. Um, yeah, I feel like this year, especially with like in racing in general, there's been a lot of barriers broken down for women and a lot more women have come into the limelight. Um, and there seems to be a lot more opportunities now, too. And I think people are tr finally starting to realize like, hey, it is harder for women to make it in this field and that we should recognize the ones that are in there more and also right. help more women to get to where they can be. Um, you see that with, I know they have the Driver Academy, now they have the women. Sadly, they had the W Series and that got defunded, but now they have a whole other thing. Um, and I think it's nice to see them focusing more on women because racing is one of those things that I find, there's some sports that it's much harder for women, but racing, it's fair game. As long as you have the strength and like the mind and the willpower, like you can do anything you put your mind to. I think people just have to have the faith in these female drivers yeah. and pit crew members. And I think now that more people are seeing it and seeing these things pan out well, they're like, hey, like this, this is good. And you see people, uh, Monster Energy taking a chance on Haley Deegan with the truck series and that blowing up and her getting lots of support and love. So I'm hoping that more teams will see the benefits, but especially for those women in, in Indy, like this, it was really exciting, especially the amount of coverage. And there wasn't a lot of negativity, at least on the main, of course, like Twitter, some of those places there's always there's always going to be the negativity yeah but it seemed like at least on the main news channels there mm -hmm. wasn't as much like stigma around it it was more like look at this badass women like mm -hmm. like look at them absolutely kill it like the pit crew and everything yeah. and having more women like commentating i was like yes like this is what we need for like the little girls that are watching this to see yeah. like there's a, like, I can be like that when I grow up, I can do that. I can race against the men. Like mm -hmm. that's yeah. what I think a lot of people deserve to see is those idols for them to like be in the sport and have the recognition and not be looked down upon. 
Yeah, no, I agree. And that and that's one thing that I'm glad now you're starting to see a lot more women in the sport because, you know, when I was a kid, that like you really just didn't have any. So it's like that's why like a lot of, you know, that's one big thing is representation. Like when you see people that look like you on TV or whatever, it makes you feel that you can go do it too. And, um, and yeah. unfortunately, you know, cause I mean, I'm 37. So obviously I grew up in there, you know, I grew up in the early nineties and there weren't really, there weren't really any women really doing this, you know, like, yeah. you, you, you know, that there was barely any women in motorsports back um you know that had names like that were big enough to like be, yeah. on a, be on a tv right um and so yeah like now you get to see it a lot more and it's like it it really helps you know a lot of young women and young girls see that it's possible you know it's going to take a lot of hard work and determination but you know it, it is possible for you to end up you know in a, in a major racing organization, if you yeah. put in the work and the time and, and, you know, yeah. And I mean, I know a lot, a lot of people, you know, will mention obviously funding because funding is a huge thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's huge for everybody across the board. doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, yeah. but unfortunately for women, it's a lot harder because women are the minority in the sport, you know, like you have to, like a company has to be willing to take that chance on. Um, and it is harder, you know, sometimes for women to get the funding because there's just not enough women in the sport. Mm -hmm. um, and you also have to prove yourself that much more yeah. in order to get the funding. And once you get it, like you have to be on your A game all the time and things go wrong in these sports. Like, yeah. so it's, it's just so hard. Yeah, it is. Um, and I feel like, um, there, there now there's starting to be a lot more resources when it comes to in here in the states because in in like in europe and in like the uk they've always had like girls on track and all those type of organizations mm -hmm. and so they've always pretty much had resources for young women that wanted to get into motorsport but here we really didn't have that um i mean now you have women in motorsport women in um murder sports north america which is uh, uh owned by lynn st james and um she is such a sweetheart i was able to meet her when i went to um indy and she is so kind i have like, never had a chance to meet lynn and I'm, i'll be honest i will i would love to meet her because she was insane she got in the crash i think she like broke her arm or something and was back the next day just walking around like she's such a powerhouse and just like being near her you can kind of like feel like this confidence about her she's like i'm here like like i'm ready to go and i was like wow because just to see someone like so confident in themselves yeah. and yeah. It's great. And she never seemed to be the type of person that would like be like, oh, so and so said something about me. Like, she was just, she was so like sweet. And yeah, I was very grateful to be able to meet her. Right. Yeah. I mean, Lynn is literally a living legend. <laughs> you yeah. Know I mean? She is. And 
Um, yeah, like I would love to be able to meet her. Yeah, I haven't had the opportunity to, but yeah, I mean, I'm hoping some one day that I'll be able to be able to um meet her because, yeah, I yeah. mean, she just she's just, I mean, she seems I honestly haven't had one person say one bad thing about her, so like, yeah, obviously, she's a very nice person, but yeah, so like what she's doing, you know, with women in Motorsports North America um is really helping because it's really helping spread that awareness and then obviously they have the um the women uh who who drive summit that they do yeah. every year um yeah because i know this one is going to be in november in, in phoenix um and so d them doing like all of that type of stuff i think it really helps you know spread all of that awareness and it helps them you know really get the name out there for even some of these young you know young girls and women that are wanting to get in the motorsports but like obviously don't really have the resources to do it mm -hmm. like it gives them that opportunity um and so yeah and then obviously we've talked about like you've got nascar for diversity program, you have the EMSA driver development program. Um, and then obviously you go outside of the US, you've got like Formula Woman um, and, and things like that. And obviously yeah. girls on track and stuff. So you do have the resources. It really just depends on where you are and how far you want to travel. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. That's the really, that's really the biggest issue here in the States is that travel yeah because depending on where you live you might not have those resources um because obviously like we're just so spread out and then also different areas of the country cater to certain types of tracks so it's like yep. if you live here in louisiana road courses are pretty much non-existent you only have one and that's it um and then everything else is dirt so if you're not a dirt racer and you know and well we have like one or two like drag strips but that's it yeah it's kind of the same here we have like our one vir so like if you want to do like the big road courses but then we have like more like our stock car i think larry king is like either a fourth or a half a mile but like other than that if you're not doing like one of those two things like you're gonna have to drive hours yeah and the and that's the biggest thing and some people just don't have the funding to be able to like travel all the time mm -hmm. um because i mean that's what we ran into um because my husband races dirt play model um yeah. but we, he was doing sprint cars before that well they pretty much stopped running sprint cars here um and so if if you want to run a sprint car you have to pretty much be a part of like ascs or uscs um to possibly run um six hours away and that would be the closest yeah. track and so and there and those are the only sprint cars that they run there is either uscs or ascs and so it's like and ascs and uscs are like they're not world of outlaws, but they're right under it. So the funding that you have to have to be able to run in in those groups is a yes, lot. Very it's hot. not yeah. something that, you know, um, we can do on a 
you know, as like almost like a hobby basis that like it's not possible. So yeah, so he, that's why he gave it up and he just went he went to a dirt late late model because he can run that pretty consistently where you know we can travel sometimes, but you know, he can run that everywhere around here. Um, it might not have been like his first choice, but I mean, now he loves it, but yeah, like he had to change the car that he wanted to race just to be able to cater to the area that we live in. Um, and so, yeah, and I think that is another thing too, that, and that was something that I talked to when I talked to Jody, uh, Sloss and, um, Alicia Barrett from Formula Woman, they even kind of mentioned that. Because even some of the women that were competing with them, some of them were from the U.S. and from Canada and stuff because they don't where yeah. they live, they didn't have those type of tracks, and there there was no way that they could do that type of racing because it's like where they lived, it was all dirt tracks, and you know, and it makes sense. And I think that's something that we kind of like have problem with, and we also have a problem with a lot of tracks closing. And yeah, open. it's super, it's super hard. We went, um, our local track, Larry King Lost Speedway, it almost closed a couple years ago, and luckily they got some funding, but at least for, like, us in our area, like, that's a very beloved track, like, it's been there for years and years and years, like, my family went there when, like, they were little, mm-hmm. so it's much, very much a generational thing, mm-hmm. and for the race fans in the area, we're like, that's like the only track we have within like a couple hours so it was all over the newspapers like Larry clean law may close and they were able to scrape up the funding but sadly a lot of tracks aren't getting that yeah which no. is really really sad because not only does it take away from the fans but also the racers that yeah. go to these tracks and race <laughs> that may be the closest track they have to their their house. And then if that goes, then they have to drive two hours and they may have to give up what they love. So it's a very, like, tough situation going on recently. Yeah. And we're kind of running into that situation here because we have, I mean, the main track that we race at, um, they are going to racing only every other week. And because of that, we don't have another track to go to when they don't race because um, we would go to one track in Mississippi, but they closed down and they are only opening if somebody's willing to like sponsor a race. Like they're just kind of like leasing out the track to people. Um, and then the other track that we used to go to right now, they're shut down for maintenance. There was an issue with the track as they're having to do it. But, um, and so I don't know how long they're going to be closed and there's a chance that they might be closed for the rest of the season because, you know, um, because obviously they just shut down like a couple weeks ago. So if they're just starting maintenance now, it could be, you know, it could take a while. So we, we don't have any other track to go to. Like, and so when that track doesn't race, we don't race right now. And it sucks because it's like, you know, we w- we would like to race almost every weekend. Yeah, you got to scratch the itch. Like, that's yeah, like the thing that, yeah. like, but, I get it. Like, for you guys, that's like a bonding, like a family thing. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of like, you're like, 
what we do now. Like, right. like exactly. this is what we do every weekend. Exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like, do we just sit on the couch, like watch yeah. racing? Because it's, it's like, always hard for at least I'm guessing for you guys to watch racing because you're like, I want to be racing. See, at first, it used to not bother me, but it always bothered my husband, and I never understood why. But then it's like I started to realize it and I'm like, oh, now I get it because it's like, yeah, because it's like you're so used to being on a track. It's like when you try to watch it, when you try to watch other people racing, it makes it difficult. Now, like when it comes to like NASCAR and things like that, no, not really, because obviously it's not something that my husband races. But like whenever um, like when we physically went to like go see the World of Outlaws. My husband can't do it. Like he's literally sitting in the stands, like he's losing his mind because he wanted yeah. to be out there racing. Because I mean, you know, sprint cars is his life. Like that was that was something that honestly he never really wanted to give up. Like he says he doesn't have a problem with it, but I know every time we see sprint cars come around, period, he's always yeah. all over it. And I'm like, this because you literally were supposed to pretty much live in a sprint car. Like you weren't supposed to really give it up, you know? And I mean, his dad raced sprint cars because his dad used to run, you know, in ASCS. And he also ran with a lot of the guys in the world of outlaws that have retired, actually, you know? So he ran with Steve Kenzer. He ran with, you know, Jack Hodenshaw, all of them, you know? I mean, oh, yeah. So he yeah. has that in his blood. Yeah. Because his dad, his dad used to, um, oh, gosh. Um, Sammy Swindell was uh, his dad's teammate when he raced for Mr. Nance. Uh, yeah, Nance Racing. That was yeah. My husband's dad <laughs> raced That's with pretty Sammy cool. <laughs> so yeah. So the thing is, um, back then, so my my husband grew up with like you know being being at the track all the time when he was a kid, and so now like. So sprint cars were in his blood. So it wasn't it it made sense that he wanted to get into a sprint car. And then it's like now and then they stopped racing sprint cars really around here. And then we had to start traveling a lot. We had to start traveling to Texas all the time or or you know, sometimes to Florida, wherever. And it got really expensive and our kids were really little at that time. And so I was like, there's no way we can like keep doing this. But yeah, yeah. So that's why we kind of we had to make that decision on like, well, hey, do you want to be able to race every weekend, or do you want um, a lawn ornament ornament because you might be able to race once a month with the sprint car? So yeah, we kind of had to make that decision. But oh, if 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 they started racing sprint cars again, like on a more regular basis, oh yeah, he'd sell that thing in a. <laughs> he, would, he would grab up a sprint car somehow, some way. I know he would, but um, yeah. I mean, I think it was because like he also thought about it, and he's like, "Well, maybe I kind of need to get into something with like that's full containment, like complete roll cage, like not as dangerous, you know, mm -hmm. like that's completely closed." Um, so yeah, I think it's kind of like a, a little bit of both. Um, but yeah, I mean, with sprint cars, it's just like, but, um, yeah, like that's what it is. It's like, it's all dirt here. And it's like, and I feel for people that like 
want to do road course racing because it's like all you've got is NOLA, NOLA Motorsports Park, so in New Orleans. Um, and I mean, that's really it. Uh, and other than that, you don't really have any other place to race because there, there's, there isn't, or like if you want to do like asphalt racing, like oval, asphalt oval, we only have, um, we only have one. And it's six hours away. Yeah. So, like, that's it. Um, and, you know, it's it's just one of those things. Like, you have to, like, really kind of figure out, like, when it comes to racing, like, what you really want to do. Because, unfortunately, you might have to move away from where you're from. And, and, and it sucks because a lot of people don't want to move from their families, you know. And, and their families might not want to leave either. So, yeah, so yeah. it's, it's kind of rough, you know. Um, if you're trying to, um, you know, have a racing career and want to do it full time and you don't live anywhere near tracks that you want to race on. So. Yeah, it's a very limiting, like I feel like motorsports in general, it's like a very limited thing for you may have the opportunity to race, but it may not be the type of racing you want to do. But I think a lot of people sometimes they'll settle and then. Yeah maybe they'll get that chance but for a lot of people they don't which it sucks but i think i'm hoping like over time more tracks will open and maybe with more coverage more people will be likely to put money into the race industry because there's a lot of money to be made i think people like don't are finally starting to like understand that like this industry, if you do it right, you can make money. Yeah, no, you can. Um, it, it's a little bit harder sometimes though now than what it used to be. Like when, like you used to be able to like really like make make a living out of it without it being like millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, now so you got to be rich to make that living. You got to like put in ridiculous. to get out. Yeah, now it's like ridiculous amounts of money. But back like when my you know, um my father in law was doing it and stuff, you could be a regular person with a regular job and actually make a living off of racing, you know. Um now that that's impossible, <laughs> you know. You, you you can't. Like you can only just you know, do what you can. And um, you're pretty much doing it more like a hobby instead of um, doing it as a full-time career, unless you can get really big sponsors to, you know, cover your expenses. Um, and I mean, that is something that honestly, even local drivers should try and do anyway, is build their personal brand and try and get some sponsorships, no matter what, even if it's like local, like small businesses and stuff. Yeah, because building yeah. a brand is so, so important in general. Like, I know that when I started my little Wicked Cool Sports fan, mm -hmm. like right away, because I was an intern at Sports Girls Club for a while and it was very much like you want to build a brand and you want to capitalize off of that and I think there's certain people that you can look at in the motorsport world that like built their brand around like their personality mm -hmm. and it worked so well for them you see that with like Haley Deegan or even Paddle Award and IndyCar like the people with the personalities or like you may not be you know, like the best person or like the best racer and always be right. winning. 
And but for a lot of people, like that doesn't matter to us because we're going to gravitate towards the person that we resonate with more. And I think at least I've seen it through our track that you may not be able to get that giant big sponsor, but if you can get four or five little ones and keep doing better and better and climbing up the ranks, if you keep working, you can catch their eye. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, personal brands are literally everything now, um, especially with social media. Like you have to, you have to have that type of presence now because, um, I mean, that's literally what will either help or hinder your career um, now. Because I mean, you know, social media is such a big part of our lives. But, like you have to be, um, you have to consider it. Like obviously, before social media was a thing. It was a lot harder for you to like be known, right? Because if you weren't on TV, nobody knew who you were. Yeah. Like uh, it was, you pretty much had to depend on that in the newspaper, like the New York Times or something big like that, or Washington Post, you know, those bigger newspapers where everybody gets it. Because other than that, nobody knew who you were, you know? Um, now, like, you get on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, TikTok, you know, people are going to know who you are, even if you don't want to really be known, because obviously, <laughs> like, you know, because I mean, once you send that out it, through the internet, like it's there forever, you know, and people are going to find you somehow, some way, whether it's for good reasons or bad reasons. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, it's just totally different now. Like, and you can just literally talk to somebody that's half halfway across the world in a matter of minutes now, you know, it's not like you have to travel automatically to be able to talk to somebody or you have to talk to them on the phone or whatever. Um, now it's just like, it's just so much easier to really connect with people and network with people compared to what it used to be when you didn't have social media. Um, but now you have to make it a part of your life, whether you want, whether you want it or not, because it's like, yeah, exactly. You're going to get funding. That's how you're going to be able to make a name for yourself. And, you know, you've got to, I mean, I know a lot of people have a love hate relationship with social media. Trust me, I do too. Sometimes I don't want to be, but it's like, you know, that at the end of the day, if you do something for a living where you are either, you know, a race car driver or a creator like ourselves, whatever it may be, the internet, you kind of have to make it your friend, even though like you might not want to. <laughs> yeah. It's like the front of, I think it's like the front of my friend is my enemy or whatever, <laughs> or something yeah. along those lines. It's very much because I know like that's, I think luckily now, it's kind of a love-hate relationship because it's great that we can make these connections across the world because then, you know, we can bring them on to podcasts and we can interview them. But it's also, you know, then there's people that, like, you're like, you know, it's kind of crazy how much, like, each little thing you do on the internet, it's truly, it's kind of amazing. But it's like every single thing you do, it has that, like, that fingerprint. Yeah. And so at least for me, it's very much thinking about how, like, if I put this post out, like, would I be proud of it, like, three years later? And would right. I be happy to, like, show it to, like, a brand and be like, 
look at this. Yeah. So it's very much um, one of those things are even at now it's sporting events. I um, was able to sing the national anthem for a local hockey team. Mm. And in the back of my mind, the whole time I'm like, gotta be on your best behavior. Like, cause at least as a hockey fan, like we're, we're mildly unhinged. Like <laughs> it's, it's a wild sport. And so in the back of my mind, I'm like, be on your best behavior because like maybe someday you'll be hired by this company mm-hmm. and you want to make sure that like the image you're putting out there right. is something that they want to hire. And I think that's really important for people like us now, at least when we're making podcasts and certain things like you want to be different and like have like your kind of your it factor and what makes you you. But you also have to think about like later on, like how will this look or will companies want that? And I think that's something that I had to get used to, but also something that I think is exciting in a way because it's kind of like I don't want to change my image to fit into one company's point of view because I know for a fact that there may be another company that's like that's what we want like someone that speaks their mind and you know is fun and bubbly and to be honest at least for me I know it's probably the same for you if you got hired by a motorsport company you wouldn't want to have to kind of be hush hush about like Mm. how you how you say things because we're fairly open mm-hmm. like people like we kind of speak what's on our mind and I think it's really refreshing nowadays too to have more people kind of in the media world that are okay to speak their minds because you know like sugarcoating everything just it doesn't work in the end and it's nice to have people that are like this is how I feel like And I think a lot of times now you're seeing that with athletes in general are more outspoken about how they feel. And I think it's helping sports for the better because one, you get to learn about how they feel about certain things. And also you get to see more of their personalities, which brings more people in instead of just, you know, like a face on a cardboard box. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, it used to be a lot stricter when it came to like PR, when it came to athletes compared to what it is now. Um, and I think it's because of social media, because they're able to have social media accounts and they're pretty much, you know, just being themselves. Um, back then you didn't have that pretty much all you had was, you know, TV, radio and newspaper and that's it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, they always had to be very, it was really uptight. The whole industry as a whole was. Yeah. I think because you have a lot more younger people coming into the sport compared to what it used to be, um, that you, you don't have that problem anymore. You know, like you have a lot more people that are willing to like be open and share things. Because, you know, you have a lot of younger people and younger yeah. generations have always been more outspoken than the older generations mm-hmm. anyway. So, like, I don't think they feel that they can really, like, reel the younger generations in anyway. So they kind of have to just, like, let them go and let them do. Because it's like, you know, they're going to do what they want anyway. So Yeah, and I think certain sports now are getting really good with that. And I know that, at least in IndyCar, 
a lot more sports and general and companies are using like Instagram and TikTok to bring more people in. And there's like some people that are just doing it so well that they've gotten so many more fans. You see that with like Aston Martin or even Red Bull, not just Red Bull racing and F1. Red Bull in general has always been very good with like social media and like their image and their presence. Like you see the logo and you know exactly what it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you don't even think twice. <laughs> no, exactly. And I think now a lot of people are kind of catching on that if we want, especially NASCAR is doing really well with this. They're kind of starting to cater a little more towards the younger generation because I think they're finding out like the money's in the younger generation. Yeah. Like we are the ones that are going to go out, you know, and spend our paychecks on this, like the tickets and the merch. And also, you know, we're the next generation that is going to bring revenue to them so that these tracks don't close. Mm-hmm. And I know they went through a point in time, at least I could tell even at my school that nobody knew, like, I, I live kind of like right at the edge of what you would consider the South being mm-hmm. like Virginia, like North Carolina border. Yeah. But some people didn't know what NASCAR was. And I know that like when my dad grew up, like you, everyone knew what it was. Yeah. And I think now they're starting to cater to a younger audience so that they bring these people in because they went through a little bit where their ratings were going down. Not many people were watching. And at least for some of us, we're like, oh, gosh, like, what's going to happen? Yeah. And I think now they've started to kind of pick up on, like, kids are on social media, teens are on social media. Mm-hmm. And we pick up on those things. And at least now I look at a lot of different creators, um, for example, Lizzie, um, who she works in Formula One, yeah, she Lizzie just started off. As, I absolutely adore her. Same. Like she started <laughs> off with someone kind of just like me, you know, making fun videos, and she hit it big just because of her personality and her knowledge and her love for the sport. Was able to allow her to literally be interviewing like Formula One drivers and all of these things that for most of us would not. I would not have ever thought that, hey, that's possible for me to do. Like, I never in a million years thought that I would be able to just maybe make a TikTok and someday get picked up on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you've got quite a few creators. Like, you got Car, you got F1 Ellie. You've got, yeah. um, you know, I mean, she does a lot. You have Ash Vandalay. That, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, she's the biggest motorsport Twitch streamer there is. I mean, right now she's in Munich, like she's in Germany right now doing an ESL it shows, e-sport, you know, thing. It's amazing. <laughs> she's traveling It's opened time. up yeah. so many doors. I feel like social media in general has opened up so many doors for the regular people. And also, because some of us may not be going to college for a sports media degree. Yeah. And for some of us, it was like, well, now I may not be able to do this, but having these creators like make it big and being noticed by these companies mm-hmm. gives us kind of that hope that like I can do this. Like if I put my mind and I'm like, you know, set myself a schedule that like I post this on this days and like am consistent that you may get picked up. Yeah. 
No, and you're right. And I mean, it, it's crazy how how much it's changed. And then you even have like Taylor with above the yellow line, you know, like or you've got her, you know, as a NASCAR content creator. I mean, you've just got so many. Um, and you have Alanis King, you know, donut podcasts and stuff. Like, so you, yeah, I mean, there's just so much opportunity for, uh, you know, content creators in the motorsports industry that you just, you know, yeah. you just don't really, you don't really think about it. Um, you know, and it's, it's like, you know, there's room, there's literally room for all of us to be in it, you know? Um, and yeah, I mean, and it's, and it's nice to see it being women getting recognized like that yes. because it's like, you know, um, yeah, we've come a long way because, you know, most of the time, you know, it's mainly men that tend to be in those positions and you're seeing a lot more women getting these opportunities now. And it's like, it's about damn time. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, it, it's yeah. time. Like we, we should have these opportunities and um, I'm glad that, uh, cause like with Ash, like, she's doing this with Red Bull, you know, Red Bull's the one that's giving her this yeah. opportunity. And like, you know, I mean, there's just so, you know, so many different motorsports. And then also like she does the Twitch stream, obviously for, uh, the GT world challenge. Yeah. It was super exciting to see, especially now that Red Bull's been picking up a lot of female content creators. Mm -hmm. yeah. That was something that I was super excited about to see. And a lot of F1 teams have started kind of like, oh, like people get excited when they're represented. Like mm -hmm. maybe we should start doing that. Yeah. And so to see that, and I think now they're like, oh, this is like actually working. Like you saw how, how well F1 Ellie did. And I think also it's probably a breath of fresh air for like media teams and the drivers and like, the personnel because it brings something different mm -hmm. to the usual thing like you see some like the fun tiktoks they make and i know like some teams are a little more like strict about it right. but i think it brings a breath of fresh air to their media and also kind of a change for the drivers to not be doing like the same basic like how was your race you know what went wrong yeah, like no. why why do you think like the tires weren't good like we all know the answers mm -hmm. like you know, and I think now having these people from maybe even an outside that weren't basic media, like media trained, right, that yeah. are able to ask some of these questions, they're asking questions that someone that's been media trained and had like these ingrained in their brain, mm -hmm. they're asking questions that may not normally you'd think about, but right. they're actually phenomenal questions that really, they get you thinking about like, right different things. I know some people are mental health has now come into the limelight, which is really, really good because I feel like it was swept under the rug for a really long time. I know McLaren what? partnered with Mind and that was a very big deal. Um drivers talk about it a lot more, especially seeing like Lewis Hamilton talk about it and I know Langdon Norris. It's very, I think, important for people, especially I've always been struggling with mental health to see like these high top tier like high performance athlete that like in our brain are like seems like their life is so amazing right. you know to travel the world and 
race all day and do all these things, but to see that they have struggles too, I think makes yeah. you feel like less alone. Yeah. And definitely. then now content creators are like doing like, like have a mental health, like check up with me as we talk about like the Monaco Grand Prix or something. It's very like, you're like, yeah, like they're like me. Right. They're going through these things, but they still, you know, find time for their passion. And I think for us that have mental health issues, it's hard for some of us to find a passion and a thing to get us out of bed in the morning. Right. And luckily for me, sports is like the thing that gets me out of bed. Like I'll be going through a hard time and I'm like, yes, like I will be up in the morning and I'll get up at Odart 30 to, you know, watch this race because for some of us, it brings us joy. Right. Yeah. To no. see these people. Yeah, you're right. It does. Um, I think right, racing really takes away like all the bullshit like of your life. Like, you know, like it yeah. really does. Like you, whether you're watching a race or whether you're a racer yourself, like it 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 gets you out of all the stuff that you've got going on and it puts you like in a better mood and it puts you in something else and gets you away from all that. It's like an escape and it is it yeah. very much is it's like putting blinders on and like it's just you and like watching and i think i didn't really have those like when i was it's it turned into pretty much even a coping skill for me sports to like put on these races and it brings you out of like whatever you know troubles you're going through i mean of course like you're gonna be watching a race you'll be like why did you do that but also, it gives you a little bit of, like, like something may go wrong there, but at least it's not me. Like, at least it's not happening to me. And for some of us, you know, we get, like, emotionally, like, you know, invested in these teams and these drivers. You know, you kind of go through the highs and the lows. But I think we're also lucky enough that, there's many different highs and lows in these sports and it can be anything from like, you know, the race we didn't win, but we had a good pit stop or, you know, sector three, we had a better time or that pass was like really good. They totally sent it down the inside. Like those certain things can like kind of fill your bucket a little bit if it's empty. And I think at least now we're lucky enough that, every single time we get on our phone, even if it's not race week or if there's not a race going on, there's still more to learn, more to know, and like more to see. Yeah. Um, uh, especially now that, you know, you don't have to just depend on a TV, you know, to get racing information. Like you've got blogs, you've got on kind of websites, you've got YouTube, you've got like, so much you know at your fingertips now that you don't really have to like there doesn't have to be an actual race on you could even find like just old races like on youtube and stuff and watch yeah it, you know like you missed a race okay like they probably live streamed it or something because especially like some some of these racing organizations is what they do so that means you can watch the replay later you know and you can put it on and like, I think, I think that, that, and then you also have like 
dirt vision and slow racing and all you know and all of that yeah stuff too, where you there's literally racing on 24 7 like there is you just no, gotta know where to look yeah. it's like one of those i feel like we're really lucky now mm-hmm. and like if i like need to scratch that racing ish a lot of times um f1 tv has most of the past races and i'll be like i'm gonna watch those or i know that like if i just search like dirt track racing on youtube like someone's live streaming something there's always something going on and i think also when you spend the time looking to find those smaller things like those smaller dirt tracks you know the more people that watch the streams they get put further up into the views and i think you know if you just even like the little things like liking it or whatever like more people will see that and be like what's this click it get pulled into it and then look around and try to find a track near them. And I think those things are the little like things that a lot of people don't think about mm-hmm. that. Like just you liking a video can like make a big chain of events that could lead to literally a racetrack, like either not closing or like Wilkesboro opening again. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, North Wilkesboro reopening is like the biggest thing in NASCAR history. And honestly, pretty much, I would just say history right now in the racing community, because like nobody ever thought that that was going to happen. And it took 27 years for it to happen. And I'm so glad because I, you know, like I even wrote about, like I did my entire presentation in college. Yeah, I listened to the that. podcast. You talked about that. Yeah, on North Wilkesboro closing because that's how much it like impacted me. Like, and and I've never even been to the track, but it like it just it broke my heart for all those people because it's literally what kept that place alive. Like that. It's a was small the, town. Yeah, like that's a small their town identity. They had yeah and. It got taken away because I mean, and and I know that's Marcus's dad, and I don't mean to say it like that, but his dad was being a dick and literally just <laughs> wanted to get rid of the track, and he bought it to close it down. So he yeah, which is like, like terrible. Like, why would you wake up in the morning and be like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna buy a track. And close it down and close like, it down and, and give the dates, give both of the dates, one of them as an extra date to Texas Motor Speedway and the other one to New Hampshire. Which I hate to say it, but both of those tracks are horrible compared to any, you know, compared to Northwest. They're just not as fast. Like I find that like the banking and everything when like, you you watch them and you're like, okay. Like Wilkesboro in general, especially after seeing the race, mm-hmm. or like even listening to people talk about how they used to race there. Yeah. That was very much like you never know what's gonna happen, like at yeah. Wilkesboro. Like it's it's wild. Like demolition derby, people sending it like 24-7. And I think that that's something that's kind of not been happening at some of the NASCAR tracks, mm-hmm. which isn't the best because as that sport isn't getting as much popularity like when people turn on these races and it's like not much going on the whole race you're like okay but then you have like Wilkesboro or even like 
Daytona is normally just wild. You never really know what's going to happen. And I think it's important that they bring back some of these old tracks because they're kind of getting swept under the rug. But it brings also a lot more people into it because, you know, like that was on national news. Only like things with NASCAR is not on national news as much. But they're like, 27 years ago this track closed you know and now it's opening again and they're having like the all-star race and it was a big deal yeah it was a big deal and at least for the town of wilkesboro they're probably like it's probably great for the people that live there because that's a source of revenue for them whether it's like airbnbs or you know just the people that own like shops or everybody in the surrounding area like the hotel owners the people that own the gas stations the people that own like restaurants like that very much probably brings the most revenue they get all year. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure when it closed, that was probably really bad because I'm sure people had to close their restaurants. Yeah. I mean, um, North Wilkesboro, because that was like the biggest revenue stream that they had. And when you lose that, like, you know, it, it didn't just, it wasn't just closing a track down. You practically almost shut down an entire town. Um, the people there lost their livelihoods because there was people that worked for the track. They didn't have jobs anymore, Yeah, you know, and that's a small area. So that means those people, if they weren't able to get jobs in Wilkesboro, they had to start traveling outside of there to be able to work. So yeah, like it, it really ruined that area. Um, and so and I hated it for them. And the fact that like that place just sat there abandoned and it's like, you know, no, nothing was happening. Um, and yeah, I'm glad that they took a chance on it and they reopened it because it, there was no need for it to sit like that for that yeah. long. Uh, and yeah, it's always had really good racing. Um, and it was a and it's a historical place. I mean, that place had been open since the like the thirties. Like you know that it, for it to be closed like that for no reason. Because yeah, I think it was like thirty nine. Whenever it had yeah, they just race. closed it because they felt it didn't bring enough revenue, which is kind of one of those things that if a lot it's of times so these tracks, if they're not. exactly and then they moved it to these other tracks that like aren't selling out every Mm -mm. week and i think you just have to look at like i think a lot of times when people make it so far up like in these industries and have so much money they don't think about like the middleman or like the little person that has like you know kids or is like their kids or what they think about you know it's like they're losing their job or you know, for a lot of people, I'm sure Wilkesboro was like a bonding moment or a place where they yeah. went, you know, to like get rid of stress. Because we talked about that earlier, how for a lot of us, like racing is kind of put on the blinders and you kind of forget about your worries. And I'm sure for a lot of people, especially in that town, you know, those races on, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, like that was yeah. kind of their stress relief. Mm-hmm. So I hope that more you know, drivers and people in the motorsport industry will, like, take chances on those tiny tracks and, like, try to reopen them. Yeah. Because I'm I'm sure that even, like, 
they have so much money. Some of these people like opening a little track and like doing some races and all those things. Like it's worth it, even if it's not just for them, but for the fans. Yeah, I think it gives more opportunities mm-hmm. for people to fall in love with motorsports and racing in general. Yeah, I agree. And like, and that's some, that was one thing that I I talked about. Um, that was the whole reason why I did that whole presentation because I felt like NASCAR was losing touch with their demographic because they had gotten so big that they were starting to lose touch with the grassroots. The reason why they're even where they are today. Like you started out literally running on dirt. You started out running at small, small tracks and now it's like you've gotten too big and you've literally lost touch with your true audience, the people that made you who you are. And yeah. that's exactly why I was mentioning, like I even mentioned like how throw, throw the cut series or even Xfinity or Arca on Bowman Gray one time. Just see, just see what it does. You know what I'm saying? Like take chances like that. Because like even are- if they did that like two times, like each year they had one race where they went to a small track in a different area, like once a year, I think that would be like a phenomenal idea. Like pop yeah. to a different track, like once a year and like bring revenue. But even like Formula One, like that's very much like a rich person, yeah. like like that's very much like much richer. But NASCAR's always been much more for like the regular person. Right. Exactly. You know, like the tickets are achievable, like they're mm-hmm. not like hundreds of dollars, you know. Yeah. Like hot dogs are like four bucks there. It's nothing mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. Um so for us at least now I I mean I've seen it like NASCAR you know you're kind of like who are you really like putting this out for are you putting it out for sponsors or are you putting it out for like the fans like the people that yeah. truly care about it mm-hmm. and I think like you said they're finally I think starting to like notice like uh-oh yeah like we've gotten so big actually, they're actually starting to realize it because of their ratings it's like they started seeing their ratings starting to tank and they also started seeing how when they started getting more political, um, a lot of people started leaving, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, let's just be real. I mean, you can't, you have to cater to your audience. And when you try to in, and I don't like to get political, but let's be real. Most people that are into NASCAR are like, you know, more conservative type people, you know, people, you know, obviously you can't end up getting too progressive, right? If you know that you're. It's a very fine line in yeah. sports because, like, you don't want to yeah. be, like, leaning towards one so much that they feel like they can't be seen right. or heard. And I think in general, like, it's not, like, sports in general, it's not always quite political as yeah. more it's, like, human like you know you want everybody to feel welcomed right. and everybody to like feel that they have a space and i think there are some things you know that have been like politicalized like you know like lgbt like people mm-hmm. are now turned that more into a political movement when it's literally just people want to be accepting for right. who yeah. they are yeah. and i think now people are like it's political We're like no it's really not yeah it's um not, yeah unfortunately it's very hard for nascar they're put in a very hard position 
Yeah, they're because, put in a really weird position with this. Because, yeah, yeah, some people consider human rights, unfortunately, political. political. <laughs> and some people don't. But the problem is you're trying to cater to a massive audience. And you almost have to stay neutral. Like, even though I know you don't want to because it's like, you know, because then you don't want these people to be like, well, why aren't you taking a stand? And then you don't want these people to be like, you know, the same thing on their side. But unfortunately, in motorsports, if you want to be able to cater to multiple audiences, you've got to almost stay politically yeah, and I feel like neutral. I feel like it's much more like if NASCAR stayed neutral and then leave it up to like the drivers. Right. Yeah. They can do it. Like, <laughs> like, you know, if the drivers want to speak out on it or say these things, you know, like let them, because yeah. you know, if they say something terrible, that's like terrible for a whole demographic of people mm-hmm. that's on them, you know, right. and then exactly. they will lose the fans and the following and the money. But NASCAR as a whole will kind well, of stay the exactly. same. And I think that's an issue that they're currently running into in Formula One is they're trying to silence the drivers and say, like, Uh, you can't speak out on this, 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 and this. And it's not going over very well, especially because that's very much a global sport, Mm -hmm. which, I mean, they are racing in places, which I've written a paper on it before, that they are racing in places with, like, human rights violations. So it's one of those things that's like, do you want to bring, you know, revenue to a country that has human rights violations? And that's finally starting to be brought up. And same with, like, drivers speaking out on, you know, how they feel. Because some of these places, you know, like, if you're LGBTQ, you'll be killed. And so for them, they're like, hey, like, it's very hard for us to race here knowing that people we care about, you know, would not be welcomed. Mm -hmm. And so I think at least for NASCAR, if they just take a step back and look at everything and say, okay, let's stay neutral. And if our drivers and the teams themselves and sponsors, if they want to take their stand and say what they want and, you know, speak out on these things, then, you know, we're not going to stop you. But NASCAR as a whole, you know, will say, hey, we support people. We hope everybody has a great time when they come to the races. But it's very much, it's so hard because you feel so bad because you know that, like, you're like, I hope everybody comes and, you know, all this and that. And then some people are like, well, we don't want so-and-so here and this and that. And it's kind of one of those things that, like, when you're at a race, you have your headphones on. Like, you are not talking to the homeboy sitting next to you. (laughs) Like. You cannot, like, you can barely, like, chit-chat. Like, you can barely hear. I'm like, you're not having a political conversation with, like, John Doe sitting next to you. You're just, like, shouting at, like, why? Why did they make that move? You know, it's very much, I think that people see it in general now. It's, like, almost dividing people. When I think now we need to look at these sporting events as, like, this is a place for us to bring people with a common interest. Exactly. Like you may go to a race and you may not believe with like that person's political interest or that person's, you know, belief, but you're all there for one reason, which is to watch a race, yeah. which I think people need to go to these and think of, you know, like this is a time for us, like put like our differences aside, mm-hmm. you know, like just go in with an open mind, put our differences aside and just enjoy a race. 
right. enjoy exactly. the thrill. Because, you know, for us, like, we go to these things to kind of get away from everything. And so when people are, like, doing all these things, you're like, yeah, I'm just trying to, like, you know, watch Chase Elliott do something stupid. Like, <laughs> like I'm, not, I'm not trying to, like, like, hear about this and that. Like, I just want to watch these guys send it around the track and do what they love. And I think now we're getting towards a point where I think brands are getting more comfortable with saying, you know what, like it's best for us to just kind of stay out of this, which I think it's very hard yeah, for them to do it. But I think now they're getting used to the fact that, you know, it's okay to say no. Yeah. I mean, they kind of have no choice sometimes because it's like, if you're trying to cater to a massive audience, you really got no choice but to try and stay neutral. But yeah, like you mentioned, it's like if they don't stay neutral, then it's like, yeah, they they have a chance of alienating like a part of their audience. Because like I noticed uh, uh, actually now that we talk about it, like this morning I was on Instagram and Emza posted a happy Pride Month thing. Yeah. And oh my God, the comments. The comments, yep. I thought so too. Like, like, it was so don't bad. politicize this. I'm like, they're not. They're literally like, I'm like, this is not an attack at you, hon. Because I think they're all the sports teams are like in a lot of different. I mean, you see some people are like, oh, like, <laughs> but you know, a lot of people are like out doing that and you know, saying like Happy Pride Month, and a lot of people are like, blah 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 blah, like you're politicizing this. And I'm like, this post. I think a lot of people like don't understand the post is not for you. It this post is for the LGBT people to feel seen and heard and to know that they are accepted. accepted. Like it's not to like call you out on your beliefs or make you feel anything. Like if you don't like it, don't like the post. First of all, but you if also you're triggered and you're in the comments, that's a you problem. Like, <laughs> like, that's a you. Like take a second, sit down and think. Is this how I want to spend my time? Right. You know, being a keyboard warrior, hating on other people. Yeah. Or can I just say, okay, and just move on with your life? Because it is 10 times more like it takes more effort to write that comment than it does to not write the comment. Right. Like, it takes you longer to write those things. And if you want to have like that hate in your heart, Go sit in your corner, but like, yeah. let the regular people and the people that are like, yay, like, let's bring everybody in and make everybody feel loved in the motorsport community. Like, let us have our moment where yeah. we're like, yes, like, this is like what we need to see. But yeah, I was, those comments on the M's, I was like, oh my goodness. Bad. And then there was one that, like, I was like, I don't think you really thought that through. This guy was like, there's no gay people in uh, motorsports. Like, I'm like, um, there probably is, but they're not going to come out to you. I promise you yeah. that. And I think that's something that's, like, one of those things, seeing those comments. That's probably turning away people that want to be yeah. in motorsports, whether it's working, racing, or a fan. If they see those comments, because a lot of times people like us 
like if we support it we'll just like it and we don't always leave a comment yeah because you know there's a lot of things we see every day that we like and that we support but the people that don't like it they're the ones that are most likely to leave that hateful comment right and it's hard because then you're scrolling through and you see all these hate comments mm-hmm. and you don't really think about the hundreds and thousands of people that are like on their side yeah yeah and and, and it's rough and it, and also like you said it alienates people of that community that might want to be a part of the motorsport community and it shows in in their mind that shows that they're not accepted you know and so yeah it makes it really rough or there might be people that are a part of that community that are already in the motorsport community, but they don't feel safe to even really discuss yeah. that. You know what I'm saying? Because they're like, which it's that's truly a part of them. So it's kind of hard for it's not to be like, this is who I am, and you know, I'm a driver. Like you know, it's one of those things that you just wish that everybody was able to like wake up in the morning and feel loved and supported and go to these races and not be worried about like you know what other people are going to say or if other people are going to make these hateful comments towards them yeah exactly like it didn't make sense at all i'm like um you can't generalize the whole entire community because you don't know who's in this community that might actually be a part of the lgbtq community and there's probably a lot of them and you have no idea yeah, yeah, and also those hateful comments that you leave, like, they don't disappear. And even if you, like, would delete that, like, it's still, like, someone could have screenshot it. It's still mm-hmm. out there. Yeah. You know, you see this with, like, celebrities having posted something, you know, years and years and years ago. And then yeah, it comes back know, up. Like, like what you say, like, in those comments does have weight to it. And if you want to work in that industry and you put something like that, they're not going to hire. If it's between you and someone else and that one person hasn't said hateful things about a marginalized community, then it's pretty easy for them to decide who to pick. And it's going to be the non-problematic person that doesn't leave hateful comments. And people don't really think about, like, you posting that type of stuff. Like, people can be petty as fuck Send that to your employer. Send that to like Literally. all different kinds You're a of mom. people. Yeah. And you don't realize like you could actually like now, like a lot of people will do that. They'll send it to your employer because like a lot of people are dumb and like they put like where they work at on their profiles and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, people will do that. Like they'll get you fired for putting stupid stuff like that on the internet. Yeah. Like you're not invincible. Like, you have to be very careful about what you post. And it's also interesting because you see these things and then sometimes they'll have, like you said, in their bio where they work. I'm like, how do you have that job yeah. when you're, like, posting these things, you know? It's like someone, I saw someone, like, worked at a church or something and they said some, like, terrible things. I'm like, how can you, like, do that? Or, like, babysitter. I'm like, <laughs> like, there's some of these things. It's like, you don't, like, want to be putting that out there because the words you say like that is your image mm-hmm. and also like years down the road like if your kid is like somehow scrolling through you know like sometimes you'll like look back at old posts like if you see those things like you don't want your kid being like mom why'd you like 
say something like that like that's not nice like you don't want like to have to explain that Mm -hmm. or explain that to like a family member or a parent or your boss like yeah I had a bad day so I posted this really hateful thing on the internet you know like you don't want to have to like do that and I think a lot of people are kind of like oh it's just a comment it's like those things can have very big repercussions yeah people don't realize how strong of a presence social media is in our lives and how much you can actually affect us on the outside like outside of social media well you see it now with a lot of job applications they'll ask do you have social media if it's public or private and if it is public what's your social media and you know they will look at it and see is this like person problematic or you know, posting things that may make us as a company look bad. Yeah. Like they check that now. Yeah. And at least for like me, I make sure that like if my boss looked at that, you know, they'd be like, oh, that's sweet. You know, <laughs> you know, like nothing like matter like that graphics nice. You know, nothing that would make them seem like, oh, like yeah. you know, you just always want to have like a good image to make people feel welcomed. And at least like, that's always something that I've like been taught since I was little is that, you know, even if you don't like someone or you don't agree with them, like you should still make them feel welcomed and still be kind to them because you want people to be kind back to you. And at least for me, like on my page, it's very much like if I see a hate comment deleted, gone, Mm. like blocked, like I don't, and it's it's not even like if you want to say something hateful towards me, you know, have at it. Like I'll be impressed if people can like find something like that I haven't heard before. Right. Like, just I'll be like congratulations. But like if you say something mean towards like a follower of mine or someone that's like said something nice, like there's like there's no place for that in like a comment section or anything. Like that's not something that you should just wake up in the morning and be like today i'm going to you know make someone's day like terrible like like go sit and watch a race or go sit and like do something productive Mm -hmm. instead of hating on people yeah uh i don't know like some people it's just like I guess our lives are so boring that they really have to just make other people miserable (laughs) yeah i'm like um, there is like something that you can do. I'm like, go for a walk. Like, listen to some music. Like, there is something that you can be doing. Or heck, watch a race. I'm like, there's always a race on somewhere. You know, like, there's always something, like an outlet for you. Yeah. Like, your outlet shouldn't be hate. Like, your outlet should be like something nice. I mean, I'm not saying it has to be like rainbows, unicorns all the time. <laughs> but like, you know, like, that's just not how life is. Life isn't just rainbows and unicorns and, like, sunshine. But you also, I feel like if you have that, like, mentally, that has to be so draining. Yeah. Like, every day to walk around with, like, that negativity, mm-hmm. like, has to be very mentally draining. And mental health is, like, super important nowadays. Yeah. Like, I could never, like, to walk around, like, that mentally drained all the time from being hateful towards others like it's just not it's not cool 
And also, it doesn't make you, like, a lot of people are like, yeah, I'm bringing that person up. It doesn't make you look good. Like, nobody's going to want to be your friend. Like, nobody wants to be a part of that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, And it's like, it also makes you, like, wonder, like, what type of company they keep. Because it's like there's this negative, like yeah. who wants to be around them? Like I would Yeah, be and that's like, are you them. lonely? And that's why like you're hateful? Because people don't want to surround themselves with negativity. There's enough negativity in the world, like naturally in general. Mm-hmm. Like there's enough, like you can literally go on the internet and like find negativity. Oh. Like you know, you don't have to look hard. There's enough, like, bad stuff going on in the world that you don't want to surround yourself with that. Yeah, we all need to escape from negative stuff anyway. Like, because other than that, oh, my God, our lives would be so miserable. We'd never do anything because, like, we'd always be, like, depressed and stuff. And, like, uh, yeah, that I I think that's another reason why, like, um, like, racing and stuff has been, like, such a big outlet us is because um you know you want to get away from like the negativity of the world and racing is not negative like dude you know it, it, it's something to enjoy and it's something that brings people together and i think that's why it's like you know i'd rather do that because i'm like i don't want to just sit around and just not do anything you know like and then, then you get stuck in your thoughts, you know, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, with a little downward spiral. It's just yeah. not it. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, no. Like, so it's like, yeah, it's like racing and things like that, like, kind of just, like, bring people together and, like, makes you, and, like, honestly, it makes you happy because it's like you get to, like, experience things and you get to be around new people when you go to, like, racetracks and stuff you get to yeah. you know mingle with people that you've never met before but you all have a common interest and so like that makes it easier to talk to you to you know to each other because it's like you can talk about racing and like it's good like you don't have much to worry about yeah i've had that even with like having make a cool sports fan and all that and like kind of starting like having that i've met so many people like online and you see that that have like those same interests as you that you know you'll be on instagram dming after racing like did you see such and such like what do you think of this and that yeah and it's really interesting or you see like even if you go in like certain comic sections there'll be people like just chit chatting in comment sections about like Mm -hmm. random stuff that happened during the race and it's nice to see that like someone on the other side of the world is like you know, just as invested in it as you are, and that, like, you know, you can literally not speak the same language. I mean, most people, let's be honest, do know English because, um, like, I mean, yeah, they're bilingual and we just forget. <laughs> but, you know, like, people on the other side of the world that may literally, like, be totally different from you, like, you have that common thing. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, something that's quite beautiful about sports in general is that people of totally different backgrounds, you know, different ages from different places, like they all have something in common that can bring them together and make them feel kind of like a home away from home and like feel loved and appreciated. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, 
I think that's why I think that's why the racing community is just so different. Um, is because like we no matter where we are in the world, it's like we can really kind of come together um as fans and and it's like it's just like as if like we've known each other forever even though we've only talked to each other for like five minutes like we've never seen each other ever i mean like that's like you and i like we've never talked before and we've yeah been for, we've been talking for almost two hours like, and, 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 it, and it happens like with pretty much every episode on this podcast too it's like i can literally like Everybody that comes on here, I feel like they're literally like my best friend and I can talk to them for hours, but it's because we have that common interest mm -hmm. that it's so much easier to just like be able to just have a conversation. Um, yeah. It's like, it would be a lot harder for me to talk to somebody else that number one knows absolutely nothing about racing or doesn't even have any type of common interest with me because we would get bored with each other. Like we wouldn't be able to find anything to talk about. Like we might talk to each other for like five minutes, but it would be like, you know, like the weather, right? Exactly, like stuff like, like that. But yeah. like talking to a motorsports fan, you know, you can talk about like drivers and you know, like cars and like all these different things. I think, and it's also fun with like motorsports is such a broad thing. You know, like you MotoGP, anything from MotoGP, motocross, you know, to Formula One that there's always something to learn and it's fun to talk to other people that may you know know more about like you may both know about something but that person may know more and may have all these fun things that you can learn and it makes you i think grow as a person too yeah, yeah it makes you more well-rounded um in motorsports because it's like like i know more about dirt than anything because you know, I've been around dirt tracks for 18 years. I, I can tell you pretty much everything about a sprint car. I can tell you a lot about late models on dirt. But yeah, like, I mean, and obviously I've watched NASCAR for 18 years too. But mm -hmm. besides that, it's like, you know, other forms of motorsport, like I'm into them, but I don't know as much. Like I'm not as knowledgeable. But NASCAR and dirt track racing, I could pretty much tell you everything that I know and like it, it would take forever because, you know, but yeah, like, I think, I think that's what's so great about it is that we learn from each other, but then it's like, you know, all of us kind of have like certain parts of motorsports that like we're a lot more knowledgeable in, but at the same time, it's like, we still might love all of it. It's just yeah. you know, certain ones that we know like a ton of stuff about. So, yeah. And I, it's always fun to meet people that I like meeting people that focus more. I mean, it's nice to like meet people that focus on like the same things I focus about. Mm -hmm. But I love meeting people that focus about different things because I'm very much like a sponge. I love to like soak up information and like learn as much as I can about these things. Right. And so for me to like talk to someone like you, for example, who knows like tons more about dirt racing and dirt track and all that stuff is really fun because it's different kind of than the usual like stuff because you know your feet is very much tailored to what you look at the most so sometimes you can miss you know like what's happening in other areas of motorsport yeah. and so when you follow other creators that 
talk about other things or especially with podcasts different creators you know will focus a lot more you can learn about things and that you may not have known or you may miss yeah i agree um and and that's why like i i love like even having creators like yourself um and like Isabel Brito and other and other people that are other motorsport creators on the podcast because the thing is you all cater to different things you know in the racing community like you know obviously Isabel covers pretty much everything because I mean you know she has NASCAR drivers in there she has one she has like all different types of people on her podcast and then obviously with you you cover multiple sports but still like you know with racing obviously mm-hmm. there's certain things you're knowledge more yeah and so and then you've got all these other ones you know like you've got apex f1 you know you've got misfits which that's f1 you've got like so many different podcasts that cater in motorsports but most of them you know cater to f1 um but even so you know and then you also have like just regular content creators like taylor nascar you know ash and she covers pretty much all of it um you know but yeah it's like we kind of all have our thing we kind of all have our niches and it's like you know i mean why not like why why not collaborate and not compete like you know that's the way i look at it that's why like i'm more than happy to have somebody on here that might have another podcast like i had isabel on and she and she had me on she had me on hers i had her on mine you know like, yeah i don't i don't feel it's a competition i feel that we we there's plenty of room in its whole realm of cre- being created yeah, for everyone for everyone <laughs> and that there's no reason for us to like compete against each other because to be honest we can help each other because we all have different audiences yeah. and it makes them aware of your stuff and then they then it makes them aware of my stuff if i go on your podcast so the yeah way and i think it, helping each other not yeah. hurting each other <laughs> I think it's also very much as like women in this, it's very important for us to lift each other up because we already have a hard enough time, you know, putting a stamp or like making our thoughts heard in this Mm -hmm. field in general that, you know, it's really important instead of like bringing each other down to lift each other up and like, you know, bring each other, I like help them as much as we can and like, you know, give them shout outs and everything because, you know, we have a harder time but we shouldn't make it hard for each other which i agree with you like it's not a competition at all i like look at other creators and i'm like yes like you know in a way their successes are like my successes because as a woman i'm like yes they are like they're doing the damn thing they're out there like you know making progress and like sharing their love and that's the most important thing i think and I would, you know, you don't want to put a damper on their light, you know? Yeah, I feel the same way. It's like, I prefer to support them and help them if I can, like in any way, like, because it's like, hey, if, you know, if you're doing well, that means that there's a spot for me too. Like, I, you know, it might not be there yet, right? Like, I'm, I might not be at that 
point because you're obviously a bigger creator than I am, but yeah. that doesn't mean that I can't get to your level. Like I can get to your level. It's just, I'm not there yet. And so, yeah, like that's how I feel about it because it's like, you know, we all have that opportunity now. Thank God. I mean, that that's one great thing about social media is that you can make this a career. Like who would have thought, you know, 10, even 20 years ago that you could really make a career out of just doing this. And like, you know, and that's, I mean, that's what I think that's pretty much everybody's like dream to be honest is to be to like make it big. Yeah. Big. Right. And, um, but obviously you've got to put in the work, you know, some people, they just, they just want to jump on this whole create, you know, content creator bandwagon, but they don't actually put in the work to do it. Um, you know, they just think, oh, well, I'll just get on YouTube or I'll just get on a podcast and just become famous. No, it doesn't work that way. It takes like, a lot of work, you know, like making the work. graphics and play. I mean, I have notebooks upon notebooks of like these ideas and you know like i've been at this for a little while and i'm still like a very tiny creator but i think also for a lot of us it's not even doing it to make it big it's doing it because we love it you know like it's an outlet for us you know i'm a college student and it's like i'll get done with my homework and it'll be like 11 at night but i'm still like you know i'm gonna make like three graphics or something you know or like make a tiktok for like my thing or whatever you know because it makes gives me a little bit of joy mm-hmm. I think and also for some of us it's like a little bit of stability mm-hmm. like for us like our podcast or our like Instagram page like it's always there for us mm-hmm. you know like it's yeah. always there if we want to like put that effort and put that time in and I think some people you know don't think about it as much as like the, the, mm-hmm. the amount of work that we have to like you know put into like even edit a podcast or like film an intro even you know like just the little things take up a fair amount of time, but it's a labor of love. Yeah. And it's it's worth it in the end. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, it does. It takes it takes a lot of time to to create. Like people don't realize that. I don't think they really know like what goes on behind the scenes. Um, because yeah, like I've been doing this now. Um, I am twenty what, twenty two weeks in? Like with the podcast and it's like it's crazy that it's been 22 weeks because like i this is like the longest thing i've ever committed to um and i love it like it's something that i would do this forever like i mean literally because i love doing this but yeah i have a full-time job um i you know my my day starts like with my job at 7 a.m like from 7 a.m. to 2.30, I'm working my corporate job. And then I do this, you know, till sometimes 7, 8 o'clock at night. Yeah. And, but I mean, I love what I do. Um, and I mean, I wouldn't change it. Now, do, would I like it to replace my full-time job? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think we both to do this. like to do what we love the most, full-time. make money off of it and have that like our full-time thing. Like, I think that's everyone's dream because yeah. a lot of people, you know, they have like their dreams, their aspirations, but I think the dream is to have whatever your hobby is to, for that to become your full-time job. Yeah, exactly. And like, cause most of us aren't lucky enough to have like our full-time job be 
you know, yeah. our dream or our favorite exactly. thing. It's more of a way for us to continue doing that thing. Right. It but of course, the goal. This. It funds this for now. Yeah. Until, until this starts funding itself and then then we'll be fine yeah mm -hmm. that's exactly what it is um and that's why like i i love doing this and it's because i am passionate about it and it's something that i feel has honestly it, it was a long time coming like honestly this is something that i should have done a long time ago but also at the same time i think right now was the perfect time like because everything happens in divine timing anyway and so i think this was pretty much the perfect time because of the social climate that we currently have right now with women empowerment and stuff and i think if my podcast would have started before this i probably wouldn't have as much traction as i do because right now this is an extremely important like thing about women, equality, things like that. And I think that's why the podcast is doing the as well as it's doing in such a short period of time because I was not expecting for it to blow up like it has been. <laughs> um, because I mean, when I say like, I'm literally like booked out like months out, like into August, like I'm not going to be able to take on any more people until august like that's insane to me like that's insane it's a good problem to have no but it's a very good problem, very to have. problem to have but it, it it just shows that there's that many women in motorsports that want to share their stories that i haven't had one person tell me no and that's the crazy thing like because you know sometimes people don't want to be on podcasts right but every person that I have reached out to, if they reply back, yeah, some, some don't, you know, but if they reply back, it's always yes. When can we do this? And I've never had one person tell me no. And that shows that obviously there's so many women out there that don't get to share their stories and they don't get, they don't get TV time. Obviously they don't get that much recognition that, for them to be able to share their story, like they're jumping on it like that because they, because it's something that is needed and there's not podcasts that are really doing it. So. Yeah. I feel like we're very lucky nowadays to be able to be in a position where we can not only share our voice, but others. Cause I'm, I mean, I've only released the trailer for my podcast, yeah, but I'm excited yeah. to kind of like get started and give a platform for people to, you know, not just even women, but people in like the marginalized communities that are kind of shoved down right. and like their voices aren't heard that, you know, in the sports community in general, to, you know, let them like have their stories and let them tell, you know, like, and talk about what they want. And I think in yeah. general now, social media has really given us a way and a platform to grow not only as people but i think as a society because we can see and hear more of like what other people's views are mm -hmm. and like their experiences right. because i think without social media it's very much like the blinders on like you only mm -hmm. see exactly what's happening around you right and so at least now you know we can learn about other people's experiences 
Yeah, no, I agree. Cause yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing about when you don't have social media and you, when we didn't even have social media, um, you know, and, and I guess coming from the elder millennial generation, we were very lucky to kind of experience both. Like we experienced like life without social media and then we, it, well, and practically without the internet too. Um, and then we also experienced, you know, with it as well, when it was first just becoming something that when we were younger, yeah, you only knew what happened around you or like if you did hear about other people's experiences, it was only what the media fed you, right? Through news, exactly. you know, through the news or through, you know, through newspaper, through radio, whatever, because obviously they control the narrative. So it, it might not have always been accurate information exactly. Right. And obviously we're starting to realize that now with, you know, it, with, um, independent journalists and, and, you know, social media and things like that, people pretty much even really big people in, that were media personalities leaving and becoming independent because they know that the narrative is obviously very flawed and, and stuff. And so seeing that now, it really shows how almost how blinded we were as kids and even like our parents and our grandparents were because mm -hmm. there was a lot of experience that says that obviously we might have actually been lied to about, right? You know, and we didn't hear the other side because there was no way to hear the other side. And so yep. it's like now with the internet, obviously, and with social media and stuff, you can hear and see because some people, you know, live stream things or whatever the case may be, you can see and hear a lot of times the real thing and not what a narrative is being pushed. So yeah, like it, it, it's really changed like the perspective of like, just, you know, everything with our society, because, you know, now you're starting to see a lot of things and it's like, yeah, like what else have we possibly been lied to about? You know, like yeah. like you really start to question everything that you that you know, um, and you you really have to almost unlearn things and relearn things and really yeah. like use discernment like now because there's just so much information, almost too much information. To where like yeah you have to be able to pick between what's real and what's not and yeah like it's it's crazy but in a way it's a good thing that we are we have access to all this knowledge um you know literally just from our phones like that was something that was never really even thought of you know you know in the past like you know with all you have was like encyclopedias and books and you didn't have access to like all of mm -hmm. that. So yeah, like it's kind of, it's kind of nice that we're able to like also communicate like a lot more to different people. Like, I mean, God, like Google translate and like different apps and stuff to help you like communicate to people in other languages. Yeah. You know, that was never a thing. Like before that you had to physically take the time to learn a language. And then you had to find books on it 
if you could, right? And and things like that. Now, like you can literally use the touch of like a screen and and you can actually like have something say, you know, say it to this person in their language so you can figure out where you need to go or what or what you exactly, need to do. Exactly. Yeah. And it's it's amazing how we can actually have conversations with people, even if we don't know their language through technology. Like there's just, it's just so much that has changed, but also it brings people together. Like it brings all of us together when that, and that's another thing too, like you start, you're starting to see like that whole diversity within motorsports and stuff like that, you know, people from different countries and things like that. And it's like, you know, right there that shows you that like, we all have that one common interest. It's like racing. Racing is literally like there's no it. It doesn't matter what language you speak. Like racing is an automatic thing. Like it's a part of yep. it's a part of the lifestyle of people all over the world. Um, and I, I love that because it's like you know, um, even though we don't speak the same languages, like we can all come together for one specific thing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, think I mean, you can sit next to someone who doesn't speak the same language and watch the race and you're still going through the same like things. Right. You're going through the same emotions and all exactly. like the ups and downs of every race. And it's very like, I don't know, I feel like it's something that we're very lucky nowadays to have like the ability to watch these sports and also to meet people that aren't from the same places and don't speak the same languages. Yeah. 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 I think we are, we're very fortunate to be able to live in a world where we can actually do that and we can just all like, you know, enjoy um, something that is a part of our lives. And for some of us, that's a multi-generational thing. Like for you, you know, that's something you grew up with as a kid. Like I didn't grow up you know, in racing, my, my family knew nothing about racing. I had no idea. Um, I didn't know about racing until I met my husband. And I was, I was, you know, I was 18, 19, you know, when I, when I met my husband and it's like, I had no idea what I was getting myself into, but he yeah. told me he's like, Hey, I, you know, I'm in the racing or you race. And, um, you know, that's the only way we can make this work. Cause I'm not giving up racing and I didn't expect him to give up <laughs> things for me. Like, like, like that was like, obviously if I'm into you, it's like, I knew this was going to happen. Like I knew what I was coming into. I'm not going to make you quit something that you love that you're passionate. Right. So I was like, no, I'm like, I'm okay with it. I just don't know anything about it. You're going to have to teach me because like, I have no idea. Like, you know, about any of this the only thing yeah. i knew motorsport related like i knew what nascar was but like i had never watched it because i knew of people that i went to school with that watched nascar because they were talking yeah. about it um but the only thing that i watched that was motorsports related was like the x games you know like you know yeah nah, yeah, yeah things like that you know and like seeing travis pastrana and do, do stuff on dirt bikes and then like see it. And then like, I, I watched like some, a few, um, like races, like supercross races. So like, obviously I knew who Brian Deegan was. I knew who Jeremy McGrath 
was. I knew about all of them because, I mean, I grew up in that time. So, like, they were, like, even if you didn't watch that stuff, you knew who they were, you know? I mean, that's, that's no difference in knowing who Tony Hawk was, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, we all knew who that was. Like, it didn't matter <laughs> yeah. if you watched the X Games or didn't. You know, same thing with Travis Pastrana. We knew who he was. Like we knew it was, just, all, it was a household name. Yeah, they were household names. So it, even if you didn't watch that type of stuff, you knew who they were. So that's why, like, I knew who those people were. But, like, I didn't know anything else. And that, so, like, yeah, getting into all of that, I was like, oh, like, man, I missed out. Like, I was like, man, I wish I would have been into it when I was younger because, you know, but I wasn't exposed to it. Um, but getting into it with my husband, like, it made me realize, like, man, I see why people love this stuff. Like, I see why people love racing because it's like, it is, it's addictive. And, and, it, and it's, and it's just an amazing experience, period. Like, it doesn't oh, yeah. matter if you're a spectator or if you race, you know, it's just, it's just a great experience. And you get to meet so many people. Cause like, we go to Talladega every year. Like we go in October, we go every year. We can't been in Enfield, we stay there, you know, the whole entire time, and it, it's the best experience. Like now, I mean, like we're going on with our third year now, <laughs> yeah, because we love it so much. Like, mm-hmm. um, and I mean, that's just something like I never thought I'd ever do. You know, like, I never thought I'd go to an NASCAR race or, or be able to experience this. And, like, I, I mean, it's just something we love. And just being around all the people, like, it's it's wild. It's extremely wild. And it's definitely something that I feel everybody that's, like, a race car fan needs to, like, a racing fan needs to experience. Because... Holiday is wild. Like that's one of the craziest like <laughs> parties like for a week that you'll ever like you'll ever like. I've actually heard Watkins Glen is like crazier. I've heard stories from yeah, Watkins Glen. Ex- like you I see, like ex- like worse. I've heard like there's been some wild things that have been at Watkins Glen, but like at least for me, like I totally like it's very much. I know, like from my. I'm very close with my grandfather and also my late granddaddy, which were both um, into it and to like the motorsports. But I found always that it's something that really has brought me closer with my family members, like with my dad and especially with my grandpa. Like that's something that, you know, like conversation can be dying down, you know, at Thanksgiving at the dinner table. And me and my grandpa will still be chatting away, you know, about like, motorsports and you know nobody else really knows they're like what in the world are they talking about Mm -hmm. and we'll just be chatting away because that's kind of like our thing and it's kind of the same with like my dad like that's like our thing that we share that's what we bond over and I'm very lucky in that sense that I have like a good relationship at least with my family because some people aren't lucky enough but also a good relationship that is founded on you know a fun sport and I was lucky that ever since I was little you know my parents were always like you can do whatever like you put your mind to you know like go for it you know my 
my dad was like, you know what, if you want to play baseball, do it. You know, like that sort of thing. Yeah. It was never very much like, oh, you're a girl. You can't do that. It's like, mm-hmm. we're going to get you there. You're going to do it, you know. And I've been very lucky to be in sort of that household that was very much a lift you up and that like, you're a girl and it's going to be harder for you. But don't let that turn you away from doing what you love. And that's something that I'm very grateful for. Because sadly, I don't think some women have that from their family right. members. Mm-hmm. And so to have that, especially for my father, I mean, my dad's a firefighter. It's like a, that's a very masculine kind <laughs> of job, you mm-hmm. know, and to have him be like, we're going to get you to do this. Like, you're going to do it. Like, I believe in you. Like, you got this. Like, that's something that's very uplifting and empowering. And I think something that has helped me become who I am mm-hmm. and like the woman that I am today. So I think it's always like, I don't know, motorsport is such a beautiful thing. Yeah, no, I agree. And yeah, and like you mentioned, like your dad being so supportive, so supportive of you. Yeah, there are some women that don't have, you know, that uh, support, especially like when it comes to like things that are more male dominated, like sometimes you do have. They, you know, men that was, you know, men in your family that will tell you, oh, that's what boys are supposed to do. Yeah. And yeah, like, and it does, it does deter, you know, young women from being able to like follow their passions or follow their dreams because it's like they're expected to just do the normal societal thing that women are supposed to do. And yeah, no, like, I I hate that for, for the women that, you know, got deterred from their passions and didn't and just didn't stick with it right because uh because somebody told them that you know oh you're a girl so why like that's not something that you're supposed why to not? do yeah exactly for me it's why like you're not? a girl I'm like why not like i think also for like the people that have told me no it fuels me more it's for like the men that have been out there and be like that's like for a guy i'm like well then why is why aren't there more guys doing it you know it's like very much i'm like you will tell me no but like it makes me want to do it that much more and prove to the men out there that are like women can't do this and women can't do that you know it makes me want to prove to you that you know i can do anything i put my mind to if i love it i'm gonna do it and i'm gonna give it 110 percent every time because not only is that what I, you know, deserve to give myself mm-hmm. to give that 110%, but also what other women deserve to see is that, you know, we put our mind, body, and soul into these, you know, it's a work of love. And I think more people, especially men, need to see that, like, we're not backing down on this, you know, this isn't just like for, oh, thought on a whim I would like start a podcast you know there's like a lot of work that goes into it and there's a lot of thought and time and effort and you don't just do this you know wake up one day and be like this is what I want to do you know you have these goals and aspirations Mm -hmm. it's I don't know I feel like we're very lucky now to have more women that are like yeah I was told no and I'm gonna do it anyway and I'm gonna do it really well. Like yeah. we're 
very lucky to see that and have those people to look up to. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, there's way more. And I noticed, um, especially after COVID hit, like there's a lot more women that are like, it's like pretty much everybody had spiritual awakenings. I've kind of noticed. Um, yeah, we all <laughs> have like a come to Jesus moment. I don't know if that's like a global pandemic. People. I was definitely like one of those pandemic. people <laughs> that was like, um, what am I doing with my life? Because this is not it. And I've got to change like everything that I'm doing because I'm not happy. Like, because, you know, I had been kind of just living my life, you know, just mundane and like not really living my life for me and not doing what I truly wanted to do with my life. And so I was like, you know what? I've got to, I've got to make a change. I've got to do, do things for me. Like I've been just living my life for everybody else, you know? Um, and I mean, obviously, you know, obviously I'm a mom, like I have kids. So yeah, of course I kind of had to like, you know, I have to raise children, but at the same yeah. time I was, I was letting my mental health dwindle. I was not really taking care of myself because I was always just taking care of everybody else. And then I was letting my health go to crap. And I was not really, you know, doing what I truly wanted because it's like, man, like, I never really wanted to work in the corporate world. I never really wanted to work for anybody. I always wanted to work for myself. And I just never took a chance on myself because I was always told that it, it's not stable. You need to just get a nine to five and you just need to work in the corporate world and stuff. But the thing is, if you think about it, COVID showed us that the corporate world is not oh stable. Gosh. And it showed yeah. us that we are, we are literally like, they can get rid of us at any minute. Like w there is no real stability in this world period. Like it doesn't no. matter. Like that was a false sense of security. Um, the corporate world's always been a false sense of security because you can get fired at any minute for anything. Your boss could just not like you one day and just literally tell you like, you're, you're done. Like pack your shit and go like, you know, like <laughs> yeah. it's true. Because you, they don't have to have a real reason to fire you. They could just fire you one day, like for whatever. Or they could just be like, oh, well, we're downsizing. So we're laying off like this entire apartment. Like you guys got like a day to get your shit. Like, you know, I mean, it can happen. And I don't think people realize that. It's like they've, they've been fed that. Um, obviously, a lot of it is our parents and our grandparents. They have fed us that. You know, the school system too, the school though. System, but that was all created by those yep. generations, and that's exactly why we're fed that. Oh, you need to go to college, you get a good job, you need to live the white picket fence suburbia life, right? Like that's what we were pushed to think. And to be honest, it doesn't make everybody happy because the school system is a one size fit all thing, and they don't really cater to the kids that don't want to have anything to do with them. You know, they don't want to go to college. They want to do other things like be an entrepreneur or do whatever, not or, or go learn a trade some or some for something or whatever. Not everybody wants to do the same thing. And that whole thing with university got fed to us. Now, of course, yes, you do need a degree for certain things. Absolutely. Or if you just want to go to college, that's great. But for some people, that's just not the right path. But they were forced mm -hmm. to do that. 
Yeah. And like, and I think, I think that that's like something that I'm noticing now, like a lot more people are like actually making that decision and they're not going to college if they truly don't want to. And they're taking a chance on themselves and like, and I'm so happy for them because it's like, that should have never really been pushed on everybody because it's not a one size fits all thing. Cause we're all humans. We're all different. We all want different things. We don't all want to go to college. We don't all want to go to trade school. We don't all want to become entrepreneurs. Like some people want to be workers forever and, and, and retire. And then that's it. You know, some people don't want that and that's okay. But it's the fact that like with school, they pushed us to be like-minded for everything. And I mm-hmm. think that's why a lot, some people struggle. Yeah. I was one yeah. of those people that struggled in school. It's not that I struggled with grades. I didn't, um, even though I had to really bust my ass to like figure it out. Um, but I struggled with the whole like-mindedness because I was yeah. not one of those people. Like I can't think. I don't think inside the box. I mean, completely. Like, there is no box. Very much like I have like ADHD and all those. So I would always like, my brain was wired differently and all that, you know. So, like, they kind of taught how the normal child, if that's even a thing, would learn. Neurotypical, yeah, yeah, the neurotypical. And I was like, I was like, girl, I don't understand, like, what you're trying to do. And so, I mean, and then once you get into high school, then they're, like, four-year college. And I was yeah. like, like, for some of us, we're, like, we are all over the place. And especially, I think, COVID, I, that ripped off, like, the security blanket and our blinders. And we're like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, you know, because we thought, you know, like, it literally felt like, we were living in like a dystopian novel. I was like, what in the world is going on? And so for a lot of us, we kind of had to sit with ourselves and be like, is the path I'm on really like what I want to do with my life? Or is this what society wants me to do with my life? Mm -hmm. And for me, I found that it was more of what society wanted me to do. And so I was like, you know what? No, I'm not going to four year. I'm going to community college. I'm going to, you know, figure out my life. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to be the best person I can be. And I think a lot of people, I mean, COVID was terrible, but I think a lot of people kind of had that moment where they kind of figured out that like what they were doing was just not it. It was not the path that they were meant to be on. It was just the path that they were told to be in. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what it was for for me too. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I did, figure it out kind of late because I mean, I was 35, you know, like, (laughs) but at the same time, it was like, I'm glad that it happened anyway, because it made me realize like, I've been doing this for way too long. The fact that I've I've been in the corporate world since I was 18. And so it's Mm -hmm. like, I've been doing this forever. And it's like, I was never fulfilled. Like I never felt happy. You know, I was just doing it because it's like, oh, I gotta have a job and I have to adult and I have to pay bills, right? So, yeah, you gotta like, I gotta do the thing. So yeah, and that's just do what it. did the like. I gotta have a place. I have a I have to have a place to live, food and a bed, and and I have to take care of my kids. So I I got no choice. Like I've I've got to do it. So yeah, like that's pretty much what it was. It's like that's how I've been living my life the whole entire time. And it's like, like 
no, like I can't keep doing this. Like I know I need money. I know I gotta like still take care of my responsibilities, but at the same time, it's like I can do it in a different way, and I can do something that I truly want to do, and mm-hmm. I can not live my life the way that I've been living. And so I'm like, yeah, like that's when I was like, okay, what am I gonna do? And that's when like the podcast was started because I was like. It puts together my love for racing, but it also puts my advocacy for women in motorsports because it's like, I love that women are getting involved in motorsports and that we need more of them. And also, I know their stories are not heard. I mean, you see it even in, you even see it on a larger scale, even in like NASCAR and stuff. Like these women know, yeah, they might get some TV time every now and then. And I mean, people kind of know who they are. But they don't really share their stories. Like they kind of have to like advocate for themselves. Like, and then you do see the horrible comments that some of them get because it's like, oh, you're just a pretty face. You're like, you're not really a driver. Like you suck. Like you're not even that good. You don't have talent. Like you're just there for appearances. Yeah. Like you, you see the all these horrible comments all the time, and it's like. You know, it's like, no, like these girls have busted their asses to get in the NASCAR. Like, it's not that simple. Like, you know, they they worked just as hard as those men out there to get where they are. If not harder. Um, because some of them, let's be real, and I don't I know I don't get hate for that, but some of them only have rides because either their dad or their grandfather or something like that owns one of the companies let's just be real because some of them own the actual racing teams and that is why they have that expense and they can literally just drive because some people pay for their seat and that's true and some pay for their seats yeah oh yeah and arca series it's really huge like arca is pretty much full of pay to ride yeah i mean let's be real but yeah so it's like it, with funding, you can get anything. But the thing is, mm-hmm. if you're a woman and you don't really have the funding, you gotta bust your ass to try and get some sponsorships. And which yep. means you gotta prove yourself. Which means you gotta have the talent to do it. Now, thing is, are you gonna be in very good equipment? Probably not. And that, a lot of times, is what the problem is. Is the equipment. It's not really the driver. Yep. If they put you in the lowest tier of equipment, there's not much you're going to be able to do with it. No matter how good of a driver you are. That Um, was something that always was really entertaining for me. And like Formula 2, which is a step right before Formula 1, is that the cars are all the same. I mean, there can be like little tiny adjustments, but that's very much like, you know, a level playing ground or even... Uh, you see, I mean, Formula One in general, like the the difference between the top teams and the bottom teams mm-hmm. is so big. But with like NASCAR or even um, like truck racing, the cars are still somewhat closer. And there's, of course, some modifications you can make. Yeah. But I think it brings the field closer. But when you're starting off, like some of the women like they're in cars that 
are not nowhere near the level as everyone else. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, well, they're not getting the same results. And I'm like, if you put them in equal machinery, like then we'll talk. But if mm-hmm. their car is like m- way slower, like, and there's like a three second difference, like they yeah. can't do much about that. No, no they can't. And um yeah people don't really realize like how big of a difference and then also with funding um how limited it you it can make it for women because um i mean it, it we're lucky we're fortunate that there are as many women as there are in nascar right now because obviously there wasn't very many in the past but even so I mean, they're even still struggling with funding because, I mean, Amber, she posted something about how after Kansas, she wasn't sure if she was going to be racing anymore because because of funding. She didn't have it. Like, there's a lot of them that are struggling with funding. And it, and some of it, they haven't even, like, some of them, they haven't even came out and really said it. But there's a lot of them that struggle with funding. Um, and, and it's sad because it's like, it's it's all about money. It, it it's like it's more about money than anything these days. And it's not even really about your talent. It's about how much money you can put out there, how much money you can bring in. And that's sad because it that's not what racing's about. Um, racing's about the talent and getting in a car. But the fact that it's all about money now, it just kind of shows like where the sport is going in certain mm-hmm. in certain areas. I would say like NASCAR, um, F1, it's more about the more money you can bring to the table. And it's not really about the, it, it, it kind of like gets away from the whole grassroots part of what racing really is and what it was supposed to be. The whole point was for you to just be able to go race. Like even if you were, you know, worked a regular job, you should have been able to go race and, you know, every weekend if you wanted to or whatever, but they are making it so much about money that it's actually limiting people from being able to get into the sport. Um, and I hate that for people. Cause it's like, that's like really the only big, like big way of being able to get into a sport is like NASCAR or EMSA or Whatever and IMSA is, which I didn't realize that, but they're owned by NASCAR. So yeah, so um, that's really no different either. Because if you think about it, it's the same people running it. Um, and then you got F one, um, and then you've got GT World Challenge. I'm not really sure with them, like how budgets are. Like I don't know how. Yeah, they're they so. Are. I. They're so weird because, of course, there's like the CEO, but it's like the team aspect. So it's kind of like because yeah. I know the FIA has like a big say over it, but it's much more, I think, the team because it's a certain like they could have as many teams technically in F1 as they want. It's just like a buy in thing. I forgot. It's like some like mm. outrageous amount, like either millions or billions of dollars that you're like, here's your get in fee. And then now you're going to spend 400 million a season, you know? So I think in most sports, it's very much money. If you don't have the money, you can't. And you can't really do anything. 
um, that sucks. Um, and, and it's as really rough for drivers that want to be able to move up, like out of the local scene and be able to like really move up in you know in their racing careers. That makes it really difficult for for them to do. So, um, so yeah, so obviously you came out with the trailer for your podcast. So, do you have a date? That you're dropping your I want, I want to do the first podcast within like a next week or two, hopefully. Oh, so that wow. would probably be. I'm trying because I'm actually working at a summer camp this summer. Oh. So I'm like trying to like schedule and like have my little things. But yeah, I'm trying to do within like a week or two, just kind of do like just a little opening and kind of like summary, kind of get to know me. But, yeah, I'm excited because I want to get, like, more women, maybe interview you once I kind of get it, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, settled Definitely. and do all of that because I think it's exciting. I'm I'm excited to do it and kind of have another outlet for my passion. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hopefully within, like, the next couple weeks or a month I should have, like, yes. my first, like, official little podcast out. Oh yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, no, definitely. I um, I'll I'll look for it because yeah, I'll definitely share it out and all of that, um, <laughs> and and everything. Um, and then also like, like, um, you know, link to your trailer so people can go to it. <laughs> but yeah, no, definitely. And yeah, I am so down to to come on the podcast so, like, whenever you're wanting to do like you know interview guests or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I'm in, obviously. So, you you you've got a guess. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, already scheduled. Like whenever whenever yeah. we come up with a time. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, whatever it can do to support. Um, I mean, because I think yeah, that's exciting. Like, I'm so glad that you you know you you took you took the jump and yeah, I finally bit the bullet. I thought about it for so long and I was like, I don't know. But then I was like, you know what, at this point, like, I'm not going to know if I don't try. Yeah. I was like, I'd much rather like try and like, fail than like not try at all and never know. So. Yeah. And it's crazy because the thing is like, there's statistics that show that most podcasts don't get past three episodes. Like literally like in, in that sad because that like, to be in the top 1% of podcasts, you have to have 21 episodes. That's it. That's wild. That's low. Like, that's insane. Like, to be in the top 1% of podcasts, like, when it comes, comes to, like, episodes, like, numbers and stuff, you only need 21 episodes to be in the top 1%. Because that's how many podcasts don't make it to 20 episodes. Yeah, because they give up, which yeah. is sad. And I think it's one of those things. Sometimes you just got to keep chugging along. Yeah. Like, you yeah. just got to keep going for it. Exactly. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, that's all you need? It's 21 episodes to be in the top 1% of, like, you know, when it comes to the amount of podcast episodes. Because so many people quit yeah. by episode three. And I'm like, yeah, no, like, I'm like, I am not doing that again. Cause I did that. My first podcast, I, I dropped it at episode three because I tried doing a podcast during COVID and, and yeah, it, it, but it wasn't, it wasn't racing related or anything. It was just, you know, it, it, I don't know. I, I wasn't feeling it. Like it wasn't, it felt too much like work and it didn't, and it didn't feel right. So 
I did. So I was like, so I gave up on it. And then I did this and it came out December 22nd of last year. And now. And it feels here. right. Yep. And now you're flourishing. So. And so, yeah, no. <laughs> so, yeah, no. Oh, gosh, I wish your podcast luck. I I promise you I will listen to it and I will share it. Oh. And I hope that everybody listening goes and listens to the trailer and just and literally shares it as much as possible. Because, yeah, no, we need more women podcasters that are covering sports. We, we yeah. need it. We just don't have it. And, and no, like, honestly, like, yeah, I support you 100%. I wish you all the best. And and definitely, guys, check out her Instagram page. That will be linked, obviously, so you can go check that out. And I'm so glad you got to come on the podcast, Lauren. I, like, I love Me that we too. finally got to talk, like, kind of face to face, you know? Like and and be able to you know like share your story and everything because like yeah like you have an amazing story, um and the fact that like this is something that you've like grown up around and you're wanting to share that with the world is so yeah so I'm so glad that you came on. Um, Thank you so much. Yeah, you're (laughs) welcome and. Yeah, definitely, and I look forward to like being on your on your podcast too. Whenever you know, whenever we yeah. set that up, so yeah, no, definitely. So I'm so glad that you know you were able to to do this, and um, and I mean, wow, like the fact that you you didn't even start that long ago, and like you're already mm-hmm. like gra- gaining so much traction with like other podcasts and stuff. It's like. I love yeah, no, I feel I feel very lucky that like, I don't know, it just kind of happened. And then I was like, well, OK, <laughs> like we're doing it. And I was like, I'm going to like, I think it was kind of a sign. I was like, I'm going to take these opportunities and like run with them. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, run like as far as you can, like just keep going. And uh, and obviously with the podcast, like, yeah, just like don't give up and just keep going. Cause I mean, it's something that like, it will, it will catch on. We just don't have enough, you know, women doing it. And so mm-hmm. there's a need for it. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be great. You have nothing to worry about. So. Okay guys. So that was it for that episode. If it was your first time listening to it or if it was um, a replay for you, um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, so news, uh, we have just hit the 9,000 downloads on the podcast, which is amazing, guys. We're almost at we're almost at 10,000 downloads. Like this is insane to me, right? So we're starting out 2024 strong. So when we hit 10,000 downloads, I will be doing a giveaway and it's going to be with merch. So I have partnered with millions.co uh, for anybody that doesn't know who they are. Um, my VIPs know because I talked to them about that in the newsletter um, quite some time ago. Uh, we were supposed to be partnering, but there were some other obligations I had. And now I am I am working with them, like actually doing some work with them for 2024 um there's a lot of stuff coming up with them like a lot i'm talking live streams i'm talking about all different kind of things and merch is part of it so 
definitely, if you want to be the ones that know about this stuff ahead of time, sign up for the VIP section newsletter. It comes out literally every Monday and Wednesday, and then also on Sunday. Sunday is for YouTube videos, though, um, because I do YouTube videos every single week now. Um, and then Mondays and Wednesdays is about the actual podcast. Now, because if you are a VIP, you get to listen to the podcast on Monday nights and Wednesday nights, which means you get to listen to the podcast episodes a day earlier than anybody that finds this on social media, because I don't post about it on social media until Tuesdays and Thursdays. So make sure that you sign up for that newsletter. Um, the link will be in the show notes. And also, like, you get to know about guests that are going to be coming up because I'm telling you guys, it's not going to take us long to hit that 10,000 mark because we have even bigger guests coming on for 2024. Like, I'm already booked to March right now. Like, that's how, that's how crazy it is. And I'm telling you, like, we have, we, we have more women from NASCAR. We even have women from IndyCar that's going to be on this podcast now. Like we, we did not have IndyCar last year. Okay. So like we have, we have people, you know, from other organizations that are coming on that we normally don't have. So definitely if you want to know more about what guests are coming on, sign up for that newsletter today. Okay. Also, if you are building a personal brand or you are you have your own business, whatever, and you are wanting marketing tips, we have a new email list that you know that we put together. Um, it, it's the first newsletter is coming out on January 29th. So um, and it's you know all about branding yourself, marketing, you know, and it's called uh, Velocity Femme um, it's Marketing Chronicles. That's what that's what I named it. So definitely check that link in the show notes as well. Um, it'll come out every two weeks. Um, and the first one comes out on January 29th. So that's it for me, guys. So until Wednesday night, if you're a VIP, or Thursday, if you're just finding us on social media, Go out there and manifest your best lives, guys. Okay? Well, that's it, guys. Take care. Bye.